HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, made in France since 1925. The first and finest enameled cast iron cookware and a favorite for generations. For more information, visit lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. It's Thanksgiving, so we're talking turkey with sweet potato casserole, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and pecan pie. But we're also discovering some surprising truths about this holiday. As it turns out, roasted turkeys are actually nowhere near the original Thanksgiving tables. In fact, most of the foods we eat for Thanksgiving today weren't eaten in Plymouth. And you know, a lot of the dishes came about, well, because of the products that were on the shelves and the marketing that told us this is the product we should use. Every once in a while, though, the consumer creates the food trend. Care to top the turducken, anyone? Uh, I've got to give credit to this fellow that said this is the best pile of meat I've ever had and then said, but if you added bacon. Tune in to this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director here at HRN, and we're coming to you live uh, with a special mini episode, uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, I am here, as always, with my co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hey, Kat. And our program manager, Hannah Forden. Happy Tuesday. Tuesday. How it's odd. Tuesday of the future. We're early because it's Thanksgiving on our normal show day, and we want you all to be eating turkey and, you know, listening to reruns. You can still <laughs> listen, but listen to reruns. Um, so today's a special day because there's a brand new cooking show out on Netflix um, called The Final Table, and we have one of the um, stars of the show, Tim Hollingsworth, in the studio with us. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, so we're going to talk with Tim in a minute and we may have another of his co-stars joining us soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, but first we have a couple of very quick announcements. So as you may have heard, um, tickets are on sale for winter in the garden, which is our second annual gala and holiday party. It is on Monday, December 3rd. The venue is the incredibly beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. And it's going to be a taste around featuring a, an amazing selection of 
chefs, some of our favorite chefs from New York and some special guests from out of town. There are going to be signature cocktails made by our in-house cocktail masters, Damon Bolte, Souther Teague, and Dave Arnold. We'll have wine, cider, sake, the most killer silent auction, if I do say so myself, of the season. <laughs> You've been doing a good job on it, Hannah. It's awesome. Like, if you're looking for one-of-a-kind food experiences or gifts for the food and beverage lovers in your life, that auction is the place to go. Um, and it's a really fun way of supporting HRN during our end of year fun drive so that we can start next year, which is our 10th year on a really strong note. So we hope to see you there. You can find tickets at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. We also have a few charity buzz lots um, up now on charitybuzz.com. If you um, want to know how to run a food business, we have some entrepreneurial themed lots, including a wine tasting with Jordan Salcedo, design your own apron with Jenny and Alex from Tillit. So if you can't make it to the gala, you can also support us by bidding on those incredible lots now at charitybuzz.com. One other announcement I wanted to make is that our latest episode of Meet and Three is out and it's all about Thanksgiving. So cue it up while you're browning that turkey on Thursday. We have some unexpected takes on the holiday, like why magazine editors sometimes dread this holiday, what food was on the original Thanksgiving table, and how and why the turducken was invented. It's still a mystery to me. But why? Why? <laughs> um, so tune in to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right. So, Tim, the show's out today. But first of all, tell us a little bit about your background and your restaurant. Yeah, so um, I started cooking when I was 18 years old. Uh, I started at a country French restaurant in my hometown as a dishwasher, actually. And uh, about three years later, I decided it was something I really wanted to do. Um, went out, flew myself out to New York, actually, ate at Le Cirque, and uh, went up to Hyde Park, spent about a week up there, came back down, I ate at Ducasse at the Essex House. Um, remember, I spent like $250 on the meal. Uh, no wine, no, uh, no alcohol. Um, and then I, I, I came back out and I decided that uh, I was going to work for, I wasn't going to go to culinary school and I was going to work for the, the, the best. So. Um, it was either Ducasse or Thomas Keller at that point um, in my eyes, and uh, I ended up applying at the French Laundry. I went in and turned my resume in one day when I ate. Um, chef said, you know, here's my card, give me a call. Uh, I'm sure he's done that many, many times, and uh, I basically called and called and called until um, finally he said, okay, come try out, and then I called and called and called and finally received a letter in the mail said I've been hired. Um, you no notified through a letter? I did. That's so cool. <laughs> in the mail. Could you imagine? I cannot. I cannot. Um, yeah. Sounds then, like a pretty great letter. Yeah. So then, <laughs> so then I, I worked there for 13 years and uh, moved down to LA about five or six years ago. Um, and during that time, I, uh, I've opened up uh, a few restaurants. I opened up Barrel and Ashes um, when I first moved down there. Then I opened up Odium, uh, which, I, which I still own and operate. And then uh, just recently, I opened up two more uh free play and cj boyd's amazing and we're going to talk about the show that we're all here to talk about in a minute but the other voice you heard just a moment ago was aaron bluedorn um our Hello. local our local guy from the final table <laughs> it's true welcome thank you very much thanks for having me thanks uh, for joining us yeah, yeah. so uh, we just asked him a little bit about his background before we kind of talk about this new project you're both doing so tell us a little bit about your cooking background and the restaurant that you're currently with Sure, absolutely. Well, I am uh, currently at Cafe Balud. 
Uh, we're just celebrating our uh, 20 years uh, in business as, as Danielle's uh, second restaurant to, uh, to Restaurant Danielle. Um, so I guess my background starts in high school. Uh, I was uh, working at Greasy Spoon uh, Diners and whatnot uh, on Bainbridge Island in Washington. Uh, after that, I decided to go to college at Humboldt State University in uh, Arcata, California. Uh, I was there for about half a semester, <laughs> and then I uh, dropped out. I was working at a, as a, at a vegetarian restaurant there and decided that I wanted to convert my studies to studies in the kitchen and working in a restaurant. And it was just, you know, there were some distractions. Let's put it that way. Uh, from there, uh, I, I kind of, I, well, I didn't kind of, I rose up the ranks uh, all the way from the dishwasher to the, uh, I was pretty much running the show. The uh, owner went out on maternity leave. I took over the kitchen. I was 19 years old and was way in over my head. So I decided to go to culinary school at the CIA up at Hyde Park. You, know, you guys so, have a lot in common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know? Really do. Uh, and then um, from there, I, I caught this fine dining bug uh, through all the chefs there and, you know, just doing extracurricular activities is, and, you know, trying to absorb as much as you could while you're there. And I think, you know, I, I hear a lot of students uh, talking about culinary school and, oh, they're not teaching us much and blah, 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 and they just push people through. But no, that's, that's not necessarily true. In any situation, you get what you put into it, mm -hmm. you know, and if you really put a lot into it, you get a lot more out of it. And so that was my experience. I had some great people that were pushing me on to uh, do more there. I did an internship at a Canlis restaurant back in Seattle. Uh, I couldn't really afford to live in New York City at the time. I, you know, as an intern, not really getting paid much. I had I entertained the opportunity, but it was better to live at home and work at Canlis, which was a great experience as well. Um, from there. Uh, I then graduated, came back, worked at Canlis for a little bit, but then decided that I wanted to uh, sort of explore and see what else was out there. Of course, the French Laundry was like huge on the list, and uh, I planned to do a road trip down to California, stage at Michael Mina, uh, and I took a chance out in Healdsburg at this uh, restaurant that had just opened, Cyrus, uh, with Douglas Keene, who was the chef, and just really caught the bug. I remember... The line that he said to me, and that one of the lines that I say to my young chefs or cooks, uh, was, we don't make uh, cooks here, we make chefs. Mm -hmm. And that was something that really appealed to me. So I stayed with him for three years, uh, did all I could do, you know, worked around the kitchen, was a tornaut. And uh, after three years, we, we sat down and he was like, you know, I don't want to make you a sous chef because you, got, you have more to do in your career. Uh, so... I think, you know, the next step should be to move to New York for you. And I, I agreed with him fully. Uh, whereas before, I didn't really, wasn't really ready during culinary school or right after. Uh, I was ready then. And so I moved out here. I staged at Danielle's Restaurants. Uh, and Cafe Blue caught my eye because the chef, uh, Gavin Kaysen, uh, had some connections with Doug. And it was just, it, it was the right fit. So I started there uh, almost 10 years ago. And then... Um, Started as a cook, uh, became a sous chef, executive sous chef, and then I became the chef at uh, Cafe Blue four years ago. Wow. So. so let's talk about the final table. Can you kind of give us the synopsis of the show and what we can expect to see in the premiere of that today? Yeah, so it's basically 24 chefs from around the world competing to have a seat at the final table. Um, the, each episode is kind of two parts. So the first part is, is going to be... Um, 
the chefs each chefs pair up in teams of two, and um, so each team cooking uh, the national dish of a country. The first episode is Mexico, so the national dish was um, tacos. Um, so we made tacos, and uh, it was you know it was, it was it was difficult because we were trying to figure out you know what what the idea of the show is. There's no there's no last season or anything like that. So really trying to figure out like what are these guys really looking for? Huh? There's like you know, 24 of us, all of us, you know, uh, pretty qualified. And it's like, you know, do they really want us to make a taco? Um, so we uh, we made tacos. <laughs> so they don't say you're making tacos. They say make us the national dish of Mexico. Well, they say, no, they say make make taco. They say, you're, you know, your goal is to make a taco. You need to use a tortilla, which you have to make uh, with nixtamal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple of the qualifications. I forget exactly what okay. it was on that episode. I think uh, it was some sort of protein or something like that with it. Yeah, yeah, and, a yeah. Sal- and a salsa. Salsa, yeah. 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 Um, and so that's the, that's the first half of the show. And then three teams basically um, that scored the lowest have to cook again. Um, the, first, the first time you're cooking for a celebrity... Um, food critic, um, sort of like the national food critic from that country, and uh, two um, two brand ambassadors are two ambassadors of the country. So like Julio Cesar Chavez was an ambassador in the first one, um, which is pretty cool. He really likes uh, spicy salsa for the record. If you guys ever cook for him, <laughs> we have a leg up now in our competition. <laughs> yeah, the chili, and then the <laughs> and then the second half of the show is um, the, the the three teams uh, cooking for the you know the quote unquote um, chef ambassador of that country so it was Enrique Overa and uh, they give you a mystery ingredient the mystery ingredient is for that episode was uh, cactus um, so if you can imagine you know 24 chefs from around the world how many people had actually cooked cactus probably not a lot um, there's actually some people that had never even had a taco um, which is strange to me but <laughs> it's a like, reality I, that really surprises me like how many of the 24 do you think that would apply to. I think it's like five or six, right? Yeah, five really? or six. Uh, my uh, my partner, His partner, yeah, yeah, is from Scotland, <laughs> and you know, I, I, I think he said he's had a taco once. Wow! Whoa! <laughs> I know, oh right? Oh my god! <laughs> We're so lucky here. We <laughs> Missing out on life. I can't even imagine. We had a, a just like a free taco lunch today from our co-working building, and and we were all like running out the door like taco time. I can't imagine a life without. We just take them for granted. Yeah. Take tacos for granted. (laughs) Um, Well, let's take a really quick break um, to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back, and I want to hear more about, like, the competition. We'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, the first to pioneer colorful enameled cookware over 90 years ago. They've been a favorite for generations through the meals and memories the cookware creates and the style it expresses. My name is Kat Johnson. I'm the communications director at Heritage Radio Network. When I'm not making food radio, I'm making food, and my favorite cookware is the eight-quart marine blue Dutch oven that never leaves my stovetop. Not only because I use it constantly, but because cabinet space is at a premium in New York City kitchens. My boyfriend and I were gifted our Le Creuset by his family last Christmas, and it was the first piece of enameled cookware we'd ever owned. I'd been fawning over the marine blue color, especially when I realized there were only a few left in stock. When we unwrapped the box, we were pleasantly surprised to see how big this thing was. I immediately started imagining what I could cook. 
roast chicken, Texas-style chili, a leg of lamb, or my favorite, a huge batch of Marcella Hazan's bolognese. Head to lecrusade.com slash HRN, that's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com slash HRN to see all the new products and amazing holiday gift deals. HRN listeners will get 20% off the new Le Creuset cookbook with the code HRN. All right, welcome back to HRN Happy Hour. We are here with Tim Hollingsworth and Aaron Bluedorn. They are two of the contestants on the new Netflix show, The Final Table, that came out today. Um, we were talking a little bit about the format of the show, which sounds very high pressure because you're cooking for um, critics, food critics, and chefs and ambassadors of those the countries of the cuisines that you're making. So I'm curious, do you consider yourself to be competitive? And yeah, if yes or no, did you like get more competitive with this format? <laughs> I think chefs are naturally competitive. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think I'm very competitive. And I think that throughout the show, we were very competitive. But it was it was actually interesting. And I think Aaron would agree. We talked about it a little bit earlier today. The fact that, um, you know, the chefs were very competitive and everybody was obviously out there to win and, and stuff like that. But there was a, there was a wide range of, of ages and sort of experience in uh, in the competition. And I think it was really cool that uh, everybody sort of collaborated and everybody kind of, you know, worked together. And we were all in a situation that was unique and, and, and brand new for us. So, um, you know, we sort of talked through that. So although it was competitive, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like cutthroat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it was almost, uh, it was bittersweet when we'd see people go home. Whereas, you know, I think other shows sometimes you're like, oh, one more person out of the way. Uh, to us, it was like one more team that was contributing to this uh, to this uh, competition, or you know I, that that we lost, you know, and that we couldn't, you know, talk uh, shop with afterwards. Which is kind of funny, right? For a competition show to to be a little bit bummed out when you saw certain people go home. But um, I mean, we were all competing against ourselves, and you know, when when you sketch out a dish and uh, you know you have an idea in your head and you want to, you have an hour to do it. Um, you're you're really up against yourself to create that, and whether whether it hits with the judges or not, I think you know that's that's one thing, and that's one thing that's out of your control. But you know, I think us as chefs, we we visualize something, and the closer we get to that visualization uh, at the end of putting it on the plate, and how close that gets, uh, the better we feel. So I mean, I can tell you there was one um, there was one competition that we got knocked down to the bottom three, but that dish was exactly how I had imagined it. I felt very good about it, so I was okay. You know, I was like, all right, I'm at peace with that. But other times when, you know, we made some mistakes, and then I'm then, then you get really down on yourself, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, it's a short episode, but we always do some trivia at the end of the episode, so I want to do a couple quick fire questions, because I have a few on here that I am obsessed with that I have to read. Okay. <laughs> And everyone's on the same team, so feel free to jump I in. I haven't seen the questions. Okay. The, and these are, our theme is uh, chefs on TV because Uh-oh. that's, you know, you guys are chefs on TV now. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> the first question is, in the early 2000s, Rachel Ray hosted a travel show with vacationers' budgets in mind. It ran for four seasons on the Food Network from 2002 to 2005. What was the name of that show? 
travel eats. I, no, no Rachel Ray fans in the house. All I know is every day Rachel Ray. It's close to that. It's called Forty Dollars a Day. Yes. Oh yeah, I remember that, that show. Remember that <laughs> <one>? oh, <laughs> come on, oh. Okay. Ooh. The uh, next, the next, just need that was deep in the archive. There you go. Okay, the next question. I think I'll get this one. Okay, you can buy a ticket to this place, but you'll have to get it through Guy Fieri, who's also the self-appointed mayor. Flavor time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And my last question. Uh, it's my absolute favorite, and I really hope that other people get the reference. Master of semi-homemade cooking, Sandra Lee, became the subject of ridicule after a video of her uh, went viral. How many of the ingredients in Sandra Lee's Kwanzaa cake can you name? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If you've never, if you've never seen this video, eggs. butter. Okay. Is it a cake? <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a okay. real... Will you a, tell us if we're wrong? There's a real... Yes, you're all wrong. The real hint in this is semi-homemade. Oh. So you're oh, not... it's a box. About, I you're not it. making a cake, guys. I have one. Wait. Cake? Angel food cake. Okay. <laughs> Do you put the Kwanzaa candles into the cake? Yes. Yeah. That's an ingredient. Water. Okay. <laughs> Do you just pour the water Red on top of the cake? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm to read the ingredients. Okay. Angel food cake. She slices it in half and then puts vanilla, spiced vanilla icing in between. Spiced vanilla icing means she adds cocoa and vanilla to store-bought vanilla icing. She also, Cocoa is the spice? Uh-huh. She also adds mm. canned apple pie filling, and then on top, <laughs> corn nuts and pumpkin seeds for garnishing. And then, yes, she cuts holes in the top and puts in Kwanzaa candles. It is the most insane video I've ever seen, and if you haven't seen it on YouTube, <laughs> Google it right now. Nobody does it like Sandra Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Is that Sarah Lee? Sarah Lee, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Our Kevin on our team wrote these trivia questions, and I just could not read the Kwanzaa cake because it's the most bizarre holiday video of all time. That's really special. Yeah. Um, can you guys uh, just uh, right before we go give us uh, e- either your favorite or your uh, least favorite moment from the show, or something Ooh. we can all look out for? Spoiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. I think there's a few good ones, like about ourselves or just in general. Either. Either. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a good episode called Sausage of Doom. <laughs> oh, that's a great title. Uh, I, that comes from my team. <laughs> uh, Amazing. Actually, my, on that same episode, uh, there was some controversy with a scotch egg. Ooh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. 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 That was a, The plot that was a, thickens. That, that always seems day. like a high pressure dish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm it's scarred. a setup. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, your, your face is like, oh no. <laughs> um, no, I, I think highlights. You know, honestly, for me, and this is gonna sound like the craziest thing ever, but going home was was like not getting kicked off the show, but like having to have that kind of like your life of that show being flashed before your eyes and getting to sum it up and say thank you to everyone that was a part of it and where you got to and i was pretty proud of that moment that we had reached and uh yeah that was that was probably my favorite point awesome well we can't wait to watch 
What about, what about yours? What was your favorite moment, Tim? My favorite moment? Mm. <laughs> 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 you have to wait and find out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Will it be self <laughs> You could just binge, you know, the whole whole thing. That's tonight. what Netflix is for, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Binge it tonight, guys. Yeah. Binge it tonight. Binge it tonight. It's, yeah. it's there. It's available. And, and we know you all have time off for Thanksgiving, so. Perfect time. Just do it. Perfect time. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to Aaron Bluedorn and Tim Hollingsworth, two of the chefs from The Final Table on Netflix, for joining us for a mini episode of HR and Happy Hour today. All right. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. We'll thanks be back next here. week. Thanks to Katie and Hannah and to our engineer, Noam. Thanks, Cap. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.